Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Fight the Good Fight Bible Podcast. This um, is the initial offering of the Fight the Good Fight Bible Podcast, and boy, it can be a little bit intimidating, a, a little scary doing something like this because we're putting stuff out there for everybody to hear, and there's a lot of responsibility uh, with that. We like to start by sharing how you can contact us, one of our one of our objectives is to make this very interactive so people out there in internet land can communicate with us. We're open to any questions, criticisms, encouragement, anything you want to share. You can reach us at fight the good fight, the number 10 at yahoo.com through email. We're also, um, we make this available on Facebook at fight the good fight Bible podcast. You can go and type that in and hear it on the Fight the Good Fight Bible po- podcast page. That's hard to say. It's a lot of P's. And just a quick disclaimer, um, it's been a struggle just to do this. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ is personal. Uh, we're not sure it was ever intended for it to be on the internet, on your cell phone. The gospel is very personal. It's a person-to-person thing. We're supposed to be Uh, preaching that to people live and getting into people's lives. It's not just a message. The gospel is a lifestyle to show people uh, who Jesus is and how he can really impact their life in a very personal way. So it was a struggle just to to embark on this. But we hope and pray that uh, Jesus will use this uh, for for the purpose he wants to. We have our own agenda and and, and worked on some things we're going to share with you about the purpose of this podcast. But We'll leave that up to our Lord. So um, first things first, we want to share a little bit about ourselves. My name is Jim Sears. That's of very little importance. And um, what we what we are not, we're not lead pastors. We're not college professors or theologians. We don't have some special anointing. We wouldn't dare come and say, God told us to do this because we don't believe in that. Uh, we know what God has us to do, and that's to present the truth of his son Jesus Christ, the truth of the unrighteousness of man, and prove that, and then preach from the rooftops the grace and love that Jesus Christ can redeem an unrighteous man. Um, So we're not anything special, that's for sure. We're simply who we are, are simply servants, ministers, same word, and messengers. We don't claim to have any new word from the Lord. You're not going to hear anything about God's doing something new, and God's giving me something for you, and send me some money, and we'll give it to you. None of that. We are just messengers of the covenant that God has revealed to everybody. Frankly, it's it's there for everybody. The word is nigh in in our mouths. The gospel is there. We're just going to work to try to take some of the confusion out of what what, what you're hearing. Um, People we're trying to reach, people in pews. We hope this reaches people that are sitting in church pews that have learned and grown up in in a very casual generation of Christ followers and hopefully edify and make some disciples. Um, A word on what we're not trying to do. Again, we're not trying to claim authority and bring something new and act like we've got something nobody else has. Uh, Not trying to sell any books or getting internet followers. That is not our goal here. Uh, What we are trying to do is to minister to the body. Find the people that have an inclination to turn from their sinfulness and turn from their self-indulgent, selfish ways and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and faith and to do that with the body. We strongly encourage everyone to interact. Um, This might come as a shock to you in our generation of the church. You'll never find any press in the Bible about this concept of one guy, one person, one lead pastor 
with a thousand people in the audience. It's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be everybody bringing their gifts and bringing a psalm and a, and, a, and something spiritual uh, to the body. And that's what we're trying to do here. Even though it's on the internet, it might take a miracle, but that's why we strongly encourage you to to email us at fightthegoodfight10 at yahoo. Get on the Facebook page. You can type anything you want in there, and we will do our very best um, to address some of those things. So we want you to be a part of this, and a part of this could be agreeing with us, but more disagreeing, and let's cause some controversy, and let's try to build some disciples and win some souls. And having said that, we're going to kick off uh, the first podcast. It was intended. It's called God Rewards Those Who Casually Follow Him. Hopefully that got you hooked on this, and we're going to dive into it. We're going to look at some things. Um, our initial podcast, if the um, title kind of kind of uh, got got you, got you here, it's God rewards those who casually follow Him. Did that on purpose so we can maybe bring some people in that that's your Christian life that you think ah it's a casual thing. I kind of like the Jesus stuff, and I, I kind of like the videos, and once in a while I'll, I'll maybe look at a video or go to church and volunteer some time, and it feels pretty good to do so. If you're in, in our camp, the guys around this table, and the ones that probably will be, not, not necessarily all the time, but those of us who, who are uh, students of the Scripture and have done our share of suffering and giving and what the Bible calls self-denial, we would cringe at a statement like that, and I did it on purpose you know, just to kind of get people's interest. Because we're going to look at, uh, today we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, where we're going to find the verse where that comes from. So we'll start at verse uh, 1 of chapter 11. And it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And it starts, For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. We meet in verse 4, Abel, by faith Abel, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, a testimony that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated, Enoch was a fellow, way back in Genesis times that never tasted death was translated and God just took him and he should it says that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him for before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God but without faith it is impossible to please him him being God for he that cometh to God must believe that he is certainly have to believe that God exists. The first step of being a Christian and being redeemed and being saved is believing that God is, but it doesn't stop there. It says you must first believe that He is and that He, the Almighty God, is a rewarder of them that not casually follow Him, but diligently seek Him. As this goes on, we talk about Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark, to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. If there's probably one theme that's going to develop from this these podcasts, it'll be the word righteousness, and specifically righteousness by faith. Um, all these great men of faith had this in common. It goes on to talk about Abraham, uh, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Rahab, Joshua, Moses, 
and we call Hebrews chapter 11 uh, the roll call of faith, the hall of fame of faith, these great, tremendous saints we all know about that live tremendous lives of faith. I'd like to challenge you to say, what if we're all supposed to live these lives of faith? What if it's not just for Moses and Rahab and Jephthah and these great heroes we read about in the scripture, but what if faith and what if the Christian life, what if the what if the life of serving and seeking God diligently is just like these men and there never was supposed to be a casual aspect to it whatsoever? We're going to take a good look at that as we as we go through this and especially in this podcast. I'm going to jump over, and if you're not familiar, and some of you, maybe you'll go back, gosh, this is 2021, February 2021, heck, for all I know, people could listen to this in 15 years, and you could have been sitting in church for 10 of those years, and maybe you felt pretty good about it, maybe you're thinking, ah, this is pretty good, but maybe there's something missing, maybe there's more to it, maybe all these great promises and blessings and prosperity and healing and all these great earthly blessings I've been promised... Ah, it just doesn't seem to be coming, coming to fruition for me. And you might be at a place in your life uh, where you're looking for something more. Keyword looking. That's why the Bible says God rewards those who seek him diligently. Who diligently, diligently seek him. Diligence talks about you're going to do it until you find it. You're not going to give up. It's going gonna, it's gonna to dominate your time. It's not going to be an afterthought on a Sunday morning or Wednesday. It's not going to be a, a go get connected and get plugged in to some small group once in a while and, and have some coffee and, and talk about our problems. But we need to understand that God, the Almighty God, is presented in the Old Testament as being unapproachable. Isn't he, Dylan? Yeah. He's unapproachable. That sinful human beings can't approach God. No man has seen God and lived. As a matter of fact, when Solomon's dedicating the, the, the magnificent temple... He says, God dwells in thick darkness, and it's, it's difficult. It's an effort to seek God because our flesh must get out of the way. So we're going to jump over real quick and look at a quick parable. Some of you might not be familiar with this. It's a parable we call the wheat and the tares. When Jesus is telling parables about the kingdom, if you're familiar with the parables in the Bible, just a kind of a quick thing. They're, they're called earthly stories with heavenly meetings. They're, they're figurative teaching, they're allegory to an extent. It's the Almighty trying to, frankly, dumb things down so we can get an idea of what the kingdom's like and what spiritual things are like. And most of us are familiar with the sower and the seed, how, some of the, the, how the sower goes out and he sows some seed, and some falls on the rocky ground, some falls on the thorny ground. And, and later, Jesus explains that parable, I mean, just reveals it. That the word of God, the truth of God, the truth of repentance and faith and the truth of salvation is like a farmer putting seed on the ground and some falls on the stone and quickly the devil comes or something comes and whoops it away and people aren't ready for that. Some falls on the thorny ground and the, and the cares of the world choke it out. Um, regretfully, I've seen more of that in my Christian ministry life than anything, how people grasp and, and want the Lord so bad and they might he might deliver them out of a desperate situation and they confuse that they mistake that deliverance of being delivered out of a, a bad situation with them being saved and becoming a, a true diligent Christ Christian and that's not usually the case that that might be where it starts but we're going to keep stressing the fact that God rewards those who diligently seek him um, again nothing casual about this it's a 
It's a matter of diligence. It's a, it's a commitment to experiencing the joy in the midst of the suffering. That's what it is. God promises joy. He promises us joy in the midst of all this worldly suffering. He certainly didn't take it away. It's all around us. Uh, I don't I never met a person who didn't go through a little bit of suffering. Some of us choose to totally reject that and say, well, if you're suffering at all, if, you're, if you've got a disease or anything, you must not be following the Lord. You must not be holding your mouth right. You must not be reading the right Bible or buying the right Francis Chan tape or whatever it is. That's not the case. God never promised us this world was going to be any different than it is. This world is an unrighteous, wicked, evil, fallen world. And the Lord himself is, is basically plucking people out of it. Now, we're going to look at this parable of the wheat and the tares just to set the precedent that we'd all like to believe, and most people probably do believe, that most people, by and large, are good people and will make it to heaven. The Bible, you can't read it very long before that is exploded in your face. Uh, Jesus said many things like, you know, wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many will go that way, and narrow is the gate that leads unto life, and few there be that find it. He said a lot of things. Unless you repent, you're going to perish too. There's that story about when they come to him and say, did you see what happened over there, Jesus? How that tower fell on those people? They must be really bad. And Jesus said, they're not worse than you. We're all the same. Unless you repent, you're going to perish too. We want to believe that some people are just a little worse than us and we're going to slide in and they're not going to, going to make it. That's where we're going to get back to righteousness by faith. I can guarantee you there are people sitting down at a bar right now, probably about half drunk, sitting on their wife, that are better moral people than I am. Because they probably they probably show more love to the other guy sitting in the bar next to them than I might in the same occasion. Because my tendency is to be judgmental and, oh, I can't be around those people. I'm not that good. Or you could take the other side of things where I'm such a giving, volunteer person. I'm going to go down and help those people. I'm going to go down on, on, on Wednesdays and feed some homeless people for two hours. Then I'm going to leave and go back to my house where... Jesus might say, like he did to the scribe, if you're really going to follow me, I have no place to lay my head. Maybe you should consider becoming a homeless person with them and living with those people like Jesus did. So the bar is really going to be raised when we see what the scripture actually says about, frankly, being a Christian and getting the reward for diligently seeking our God. And the wheat and the tares, we pick it up in Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed a good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat, and just went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth some fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the household came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? From whence then hath the tares? Where did the tares come from? He said to them, An enemy hath done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while we gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles and burn them, and gather the wheat into the barn. <clears throat> it's really important you understand this point of truth, that in the organization which we refer to as the church today, which I'm not even sure if we can anymore. The church is supposed to be an organization that is firmly and consistently presenting the truth to this world and to our congregations that we are unrighteous, wicked, evil people bound in wickedness and unrighteousness. And if we're not careful every day to be reminded of that and live in faith and, dare I say, diligently seek God in His ways, 
we're going to wind up in some serious trouble. We need to be reminded of that. It's what you're going to hear a word in these podcasts. The word's going to be apostasy. And you may have heard that word before. You won't hear it much in the modern day church. Um, but it simply means to forget, specifically to forget where you came from. It's this idea that, you know, God does something tremendous for you. And yeah, you turn to the Lord and you serve him for a while. But then you kind of forget the reason you had to turn to God in the first place because you had nothing to offer yourself, that you surrendered and you poured yourself out and you acknowledged and confessed and repented that I'm a wretch and I have nothing. I've been deceived that I thought I had some goodness in me. But as the Bible says, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. There's none that seeketh for God. None. Nobody is good. And the Bible is very clear on that. But what happens is after being in church for a while, you kind of start thinking, well, you know, I've been serving the Lord for several years and I've been doing a lot of good things. I'm feeling pretty good about myself and I'm certainly walking a better walk than these people down here. And you start thinking a little too highly of yourself. Be very careful when you think you stand on your own because you're getting ready to fall. The point of this podcast is to kick us off. And I know it's going to be some hard truth. And frankly, it's designed to be controversial. You want to shock people and stir up some controversy. The truth of the matter is that most people sitting in churches are bound for hell and don't know it. And you very well could be one of them. And our job as Christians, as ministers, which is simply a servant of the gospel, a servant of Jesus Christ, a a slave to Jesus Christ, is to warn people of that. Uh, We spend a lot of time evangelizing, and that's fantastic, and that's great. The Christian church really in her mandate has two main purposes. We're to evangelize and win the loss. We're to tell everybody in the world that you're bound in unrighteousness, you're evil, you're wicked, you have sinned against a a righteous, holy, caring, loving God and continue to do so, and unless you repent, you're going to perish. When somebody responds to that truth and receives Jesus Christ and repents of their sin and acknowledges their personal authority, then we get them into the family. It's kind of like... You know, kind of like birds, you know, in a little nest up there. They've got to be fed and they've got to be taken care of. Our second responsibility as the church is to take care of our own people. Is it not, Dylan? We're to take care of our own people. We're to make sure the people that we brought into the fold, brought into the family, brought back into union with Jesus Christ. We like to use words like Jesus came. It's not religion. It's relationship. And we want to be Christ's followers. We want to get connected. The Bible never says that. It doesn't say that at all. It says Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The idea of following Jesus is to accompany him. It's the idea you're going to be in union with him. So we get the idea of communion, that you're not just following him. You're a part of him. You're a part of his body, and you're under his authority. And we have to remind, the church's responsibility is to remind people of who they are. Oh, yes, in Jesus we have everything, but without him we have nothing. I mean, you talk about a dichotomy of having nothing inbound for hell and God giving us everything. Well, that's why all the glory goes to God. But we want to make sure we get through with this first podcast uh, and just use the wheat and the tares. That as you look on TV and you look at any of these big congregations or small congregations, and I will say especially the megachurches that are disconnected. Um, you know, this idea of a megachurch, that word literally comes from the word majesty. They want to sell these majestic big big churches. Well, you can't really, you get, can't get in any union being one of 3,000 people. you got to get in union with people. Uh, it might remind you of being married. You don't, you don't marry people two or 3,000 at a time, do you? One person marrying one person. You know, I heard a guy say one time, you don't mass produce 
disciples. They're individually handcrafted. Every single individual, every person. And I will allow for some of this personal relationship idea because the Christian life is extremely personal, but it's actually more. It's communal. It's personal in the sense that we have personal responsibility. We have a, a, a personal stake in everybody's salvation to bear one another's burdens and to suffer with other people, rejoice with other people. But it's communal and not in the sense that we're hanging out. It's not the sense, let's go hang out and have fellowship with the bowling alley. That's not what it is. Fellowship is, is gathering together to become like-minded, to share in the like-mindedness that when I meet with Dylan and Mike Jarvis and Rob Canny and, and, and people around our table, we say, yeah, yeah, I know I'm an unrighteous man. Don't forget that. Don't make me too full of myself. I don't want to wind up being one of the tares. I don't want to wind up one of the people up there that are just kind of casually doing my thing when God requires and God wants us to be diligent. It's supposed to take an effort. The Christian life is not supposed to be what we see today. It's not supposed to be um, a second thought. Oh, we can get around to it. Uh, let's go to church. You'll never find words in the Bible like volunteer. You never find the word volunteer in the Bible. You find the word servant. Why? Because volunteers can do whatever they want, whenever they feel like it. Jesus isn't looking for volunteers. He's looking for dedicated servants that do what they're told to do. That's just one small part of diligently seeking God. God says, find me. You look and you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you give me everything you've got, you'll find me. We want to just take the shortcut. We want to take the easy way out. We want to look at a couple videos and buy a couple sermon series and go into church and let the preacher tell us something and hoop and holler a little bit or, or have some spiritual gift to try to try to justify and vindicate our faith. Uh, you won't find that in the Bible anywhere either. You'll find the gifts are there to edify the rest of the body. They're not for you. They're not supposed to, to, to make me feel better or to, to justify my salvation or my faith. They're supposed to lift other people up. They're supposed to be an element of safe self-denial. And that's what you're going to see. And we get into this, the future podcast, we're going to talk about some things that are people, I hope, uh, we purposely designed it so a lot of people would disagree with this. But there'll be a few people that we pray and we're sure will minister to their spirit and say, wow, I'd like to hear a little more about this diligently seeking. What does it mean? What's it mean to really seek God diligently? And I want you to think about that, and we'll come back, uh, Lord willing, with phase two, part two of this podcast, uh, maybe in a week or so. God bless you.